1: Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state of the art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better at Aquavita. Visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today.
2: Welcome to the Osmo MMA Strategy Show for UFC Vegas number 37. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. As always, I'm joined by the the freshly haircutted fighter, <laughs> Pete Rogers. I, I, I have, Look, I had to get a little haircut last Thursday right before opening game, and uh, apparently you were this Thursday.
1: Yeah, man, trying to sneak one in before the show, and it almost turned into a disaster. I almost had to start knocking people out, but uh, we're here. I'm happy I made it. Apologize for my tardiness, but uh, we're here, and we have a, a big card to talk about.
2: Tell you, we've got 15 fights to break down here on, on the strategy show as, uh, you know, well, we thought we had lost the fight. However, Dakota Bush out due to COVID gets to Vegas, test positive for COVID, but Brandon Jenkins steps in. We'll talk about that. Brand's actually a guy that I know, kind of know a little bit of the backstory, so I'll give you a little bit of the backstory of uh, part of that backstory, Pete, how he did ACL recovery on his own. Hey. I don't know about COVID. that. COVID pandemic is and insurance is uh, the way yeah. to sum that one up for you. But, uh, of course, uh, we are here to break this one down for you. Of course, we're sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. We'll, of course, talk about a little Monkey Knife Fight. Later on in the show, today's show is also brought to you by our brand new sports betting podcast, Betting You, Ben Ross and Matt Jesse, get you ready for everything. College football betting every Wednesday on your favorite podcasting platform. So be sure to check out that new podcast we have over there at Betting You. Of course, I appreciate everyone that's in here on a Thursday watching us here. Of course, uh, let's get right into it. Pete, the main event. Anthony Smith versus Ryan Span. Anthony Smith ninety one hundred over on DraftKings, twenty one dollars over on Fanduel. Ryan Span seventy one hundred over on DraftKings and sixteen dollars over there on Fanduel. Um, you know, as I kind of thought about this fight, Pete. You know, kind of the, my initial thoughts was. The longer this fight goes on, I think it benefits Anthony Smith. I mean, you, you look at all you gotta do is go to Ryan Span's tapology, Wikipedia, Sherdog, sure whatever your preferred site to go to is. And the fact is, he's a quick finisher. And, and I do have a lot of questions on Ryan Span if this fight does hit the fourth and fifth round. That's why I, I think that potentially, you know, this could be a great live betting spot after round one because, you know, Ryan Span may get off to a great start early on in this fight. But to me, I, I think that. It, you know, there's obviously a little bit of concern of could Ryan Spann catch him, but Anthony, this isn't like Anthony Smith. We've seen this guy get knocked out many times in his career.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not Anthony Smith's first rodeo in, uh, you know, in a matchup where he's fighting a dangerous fighter with you know power and submission skills. I do think that you know Ryan Spann presents you know a nice round one chance, and as the fight you know prolongs, I do think that it starts to really uh, tilt towards Anthony Smith in his favor. Um, you know, Ryan span his price point 7,100 based on his round one aggressiveness and his finishing ability his knack for finding the finish, uh, whether whether it's via hands or capturing the neck, he has a pretty sneaky guillotine choke that I think if he can hurt anybody, you know, on any given night, he could choke anybody out. So I'm going to have exposure there to Ryan span, but I have to tell you, you know, Anthony Smith is a guy that, Um, you know, his experience has shown through in some fights and this could be another situation where his, his experience can shine through. And especially in the later rounds, I do think that he'll have the cardio advantage and that is the liability regarding Ryan span is that he has a significant drop off in volume and also in his gas tank as the fight progresses. So, uh, you know, I, I don't really think that Anthony Smith, you know, presents so much of an offensive threat for the first couple rounds. Um, I think that he can implement some some leg kicks, uh, you know, possibly win some exchanges on the feet, have, you know, a close match on the feet. But uh, I think that his best success could be capitalizing on the, uh, you know, the gas tank of Ryan Span as the fight goes on, possibly work towards a submission finish. Anthony Smith has some sneaky, sneaky jits. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anthony Smith has found a ton of finishes himself. So priced at ninety one hundred. I'm expecting him to be pretty popular, and I do think that uh, I am picking him in the fight. But like I said, I will be sprinkling Ryan Spann in just because of that round one threat.
2: Yeah, that submission prop of Anthony Smith via submission plus 275 really did stick out to me. Uh, you know, potentially, you know, say, you know, Ryan Span just tires down as a fight goes on, can open up that submission there. Um, you know, but this is a situation with Anthony Smith where you know his past fights, he's really been more the underdog situation. Now in that favorite situation, it's a big price tag you got to pay over on DraftKings, but I, I don't mind getting to it. But I like you, I think you do have to sprinkle in a little bit of, of uh Ryan Span in there. Uh Thomas. Appreciate you uh, checking in there. Yeah, uh, FanDuel they get their prices usually about about two thirty three o'clock East Coast time on Thursday. That's usually, that's kind of wait cause when I start kind of putting out together my my stuff, I always know about two, two o'clock. I go to FanDuel cause that's why I know the prices are going to be out there. Uh, you know, Thomas all saying Smith's chin feels safe. It does. I mean, you know, you look at that glower fight, but that was just an accumulation of strikes of, you know, just the, the pounding that he took in that one. But that to me is one that uh, you stick there. Uh, Thomas uh, all saying Anthony Smith's jabs getting better it neutralizes span's power would you agree with that
1: i would definitely say that you know any boxing coach will say that you know having a good jab can prevent a lot um you know it keeps people off of you but it also can set up a ton of combinations so i do think that anthony smith has a great jab i think that you know it's it's a good fight for both fighters right you you have um ryan span looking to capture a big name i just think that this is a tricky tricky matchup especially because his cardio is uh you know, not the best. And I don't think that he can really do what Glover to did because Glover has a relentless pace. He also has a phenomenal ground game. So he, he really was outmatching, uh, Anthony Smith and all departments in that fight. And that really, I remember, I remember we broke that fight down. That, that kind of like completely shocked me. Uh, that, that was just like a, you know, the, the COVID era. I think that was the beginning of the COVID era when things were just going crazy. Justin Gaethje was, was tooling on Tony Ferguson. It was just a weird time, but, uh, I will say that, um, you know, I, I like Anthony Smith in the fight.
2: Of course, uh, this is the also M May Show. Appreciate everyone taking time out of their day to watch and listen to us. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to also right here on YouTube, you gotta do that. Hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel. And do want to let you know that our free premium data and tools over at Osmo.com today is NFL Showdown slash single game player rankings and MLB player projections. Of course, coming up after us, uh, we will be get you ready for the tonight's NFL Thursday slate giants and the Washington football team. I've always remember not to say Redskins, Washington football team. Sometimes yeah. uh, you, you know, it's just so much in the vocabulary there. Let's move on to the co-main event here. We got Ian Kutalaba taking on Devin Clark, Ian Kutalaba, 9,000 over on DraftKings, $19 over on FanDuel, Devin Clark, $7,200 and $12 over on FanDuel. Like Pete, I don't think this is a hard one really to break down. Like if, if you're Devin Clark, you the mindset has to be survive, Five minutes of fury. Try to get this one into the second and third. You know, hopefully that you can wear down that gas tank goes out of Ian Kutalaba because look, he's a wild man. But man, those first five, six, seven minutes, you got to be ready for that storm. We always talk about it with Justin Gaethje, you got to be ready for that seven, eight man storm. Ian Kutalaba is the same type of fighter. So like, if I'm Devin Clark, uh, let, let's not get into a brawling situation. You you got to make this a fight up against offensive in, in my mind.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a tricky fight for um, Devin Clark, to be honest. I, I think that he's you know pretty good in the clinch, but I think that he's not offensive in the clinch. I think that he usually has the wrestling advantage in a ton of matchups. Not really sure if he's going to have that here against Ian Kudalaba. I think it's going to be uh, pretty back and forth in the wrestling department. I think that both guys can, can secure takedowns. I do think that the aggressiveness and the offensive striking of Ian Kudalaba's what's probably going to inflict damage and probably cause Devin Clark some issues here. I understand the, the cardio liability. I mean, this card screams GPP and it screams tons of, you know, cardio liability throughout. So I think that Ian Kutalaba is a perfect GPP candidate. I really like him in the matchup, to be honest. I think that, uh, I've never really been a Devin Clark guy. I understand that he's a very good wrestler. Um, I understand that he trains at elevation, uh, in New Mexico, but he still has to win the fight, right? Like he can't get controlled and lose two rounds and then look, look towards making a third round comeback because he's mm-hmm. typically not a finisher, Jason. So I don't really see him being able to do that and capitalize on a, on a position like that. I really like Ian Kutalaba in this matchup. Um, at 9,000, I think just his, I don't, I don't think he's going to go out there and get takedowns against Devin Clark. But I think from watching fight film, there have been t- periods of time where Devin Clark looks somewhat checked out. Once he starts to get hit, certain fighters respond well when they get hit. And to me, Devin Clark does not really respond well. Uh, if Kudalaba can sit there and, you know, uh, throw tons of clinch strikes, hit him with some big shots, I really feel like he can get him out of there within two rounds. So I am siding with Kudalaba. But if you really just want like a, a safer underdog to possibly come through, then I think Devin Clark could sneak out as the, uh, a decision.
2: Yeah, I was just looking it up, maybe see if there was a little juicy prop out there, but it's not really that juicy of Devin Clark winning by decision, plus 225. So there's not a lot, a, a ton of juice out there, but to me, I do like Ian Coos a lot in the matchup. I mean, like, look, if, if I'm developing a single-entry lineup, Ian Kutalaba is probably someone we're going to look into. I mean, now, look, we saw Alonzo Minifield put it on Devin Clark in that first round, yeah. you know, but Devin Clark was able to survive. I mean, you know, there might have been some doctors that might have stopped that fight after the first round, the way he was going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, I, I, if you want to be an Ian Kutalaba backer, the only concern you have in this matchup is he gasses out and, and you just hope that it's not a situation of, you know, it's heading into the third round, you gotta gas out Kutalaba, and now you're concerned. I mean, if you're if you're taking Kutalaba in your lineup, you're you're banking on a first or second round finish.
1: All right, I would agree. And I don't think that either fighter are really good off of their back. Uh, you know, I think that if Kutalaba gets on top, it's very dangerous for for Devin Clark. I think that if Devin Clark gets on top, it's very dangerous for Ian Kutalaba. So um, I'm not really seeing it play out that much in that certain uh specific area i feel like if people you know land takedowns they're going to work back to their feet and it's going to be a tit-for-tat type of situation i think it's going to be one in the clinch to be honest and uh, i don't think that's a bold thing to say
2: and uh, kingslayer bringing up that kutalaba coming up a few losses could go to a decision if you think even kuzlaba is going to win the decision now that's a little juicy mm. six to one odds there
1: i mean i i like what he's saying and when you whenever you have two fighters that uh you know, are so similar in certain, you know, certain areas of fighting. So wrestling and in the clinch, they could possibly negate each other. So this could end up being a closer fight than what we would imagine, but priced at 9,000 for Kudalaba, I I think that there is some finishing potential. If he's possibly like, he has to know he has a terrible gas tank and he has (laughs) to possibly make adjustments, right? If he can make that one adjustment, I really feel like he could be a dangerous fighter.
2: Uh, let's move on to the next matchup as uh, we've got Nicholas Mata taking on Cameron Van Camp. Uh, Mata training out of Factory X here uh, with Anthony Smith. Uh, Van Camp out of that Midwest scene, stepping up uh, to get this fight here. And uh, this is one of those fights this week when we're, when we're talking on the drafting side of the equation. Because of odds, were you know lines were already out there. You got, you got a little leverage here in terms of that. You got Nicholas Mata, 7,900. Karen uh Van Camp sixty eight hundred, but overall FanDuel, it's what you would expect with uh, this type of matchup $21 for Mata and $10 for Cameron. I guess in, in terms of the underdog here, can can you make a case of, of what his best uh, path to victory is?
1: Yeah, I think for Van Camp, right? He has to look at capturing the neck of Mata and uh you know winning this fight on the mat. I, I understand that he's reckless himself on the feet. But I do think that that's really uh, playing with fire against Nicholas Mata. I think that Mata here at 7,900 is an interesting play. I feel like we have to roster this fight because both fighters are under that 8,000 threshold, right? it, yeah. it makes sense that you're going to get a victor out of here. Well, let's hope, knock on wood, that you're going to end up with a victorious fighter in this matchup. And uh, it just makes the lineup construction so easy. So this is a priority fight for me. And I do think that it screams GPP. So uh, I think that Mata possesses some incredible knockout power and good combinations. He's reckless himself, but I feel like we're starting to see him somewhat mature over the years. And if he can refine some of his his technical flaws and also decision making, I think that he can end up being a pretty dangerous fighter for this division. But with all that being said, one scramble Mata leaves his neck out there. I do think that Van Camp could have the jiu jitsu edge. Um, so it could get interesting and you could have a 6,000 fighter. And I actually think we could have multiple 6,000 fighters ended up coming through this week.
2: I think you have two fights on this card in just in terms of draft King salary that Mm -hmm. you have to kind of, in a way, you know, circle those fights and say, you know what, because of salary, I have to look at that. This is one of those matchups and we'll talk about the other one matchup later on, of zoo and jenkins i think that's going to be another one just because of salaries like we don't know what brand jenkins salary is going to be quite yet but we already know what zoo salary is so i think those are two fights as dfs players as we're developing our lineups though these are two fights we have to circle
1: yeah I, i think so and uh you know all about prioritizing certain fights in order to build lineups that's how i go about it i also look at you know who is the best value on the slate and how i can get over the field on certain fighters uh, we'll discuss all that as this card goes on, but I do, I do really think that this is an interesting card to uh, to play some MMA DFS. I'm not sure that we're going to have all of these fights come Saturday morning or Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I should say. I think we're going to lose about one, maybe two. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say we're going to lose one more fight.
2: All right, so one and a half. You going under over?
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under. I say we just lose one fight.
2: Usually, yeah, especially when you get to Wednesday, of fight week. So now you've, everyone has passed their COVID tests hmm. when they've gotten to Vegas, the next key test will be on Friday after the weigh-ins. Then they'll get right. tested again. Then if there is any COVID issues, it would happen on Friday afternoon, Saturday morning of when maybe a fight gets canceled. Or of course, you know, weigh-ins are Friday too. We Weigh-in disasters.
1: Yeah. We- in disasters are mainly my reasoning behind it. And uh, fighters taking fights on short notice and trying to step up and be that be that answer for the ufc and uh end up backfiring so i i'm saying one more fight gets scrapped but let's let's have our fingers crossed and hope that none of them do
2: yeah it's uh i mean that's just that's the world we live in i kind of joked my my show on uh yesterday i said between the ufc and bellator car we have 29 fights how many get canceled
1: yeah right yeah (laughs) exactly probably six
2: Yeah, exactly. Of course, uh, if you want to get access to all the great Awesome plus tools and content we have for nearly every DFS site out there, you got to sign up for an Awesome weekly pass for 29 95 includes full access to all the great premium content, data, and tools. We have over at Awesome-O.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium ch- Slack channel, and so much more. And if you're a new user of Awesome plus Platinum, then you got to take advantage of the promo code we have for this show, which is MMA Strategy Show, all caps, one word. That's MMA Strategy Show for 25 off your first week of awesomo plus and if you're just looking for an Osmo awesome plus M A weekly package you can get those as low as 295 a week so be sure check out everything we got going over there at awesomo.com of course myself and pete will be back here on saturday for the live before lock as well as we'll be on for one hour leading you up to UFC Vegas number thirty-seven. Next up, we have got a female matchup. Uh, Ariana Lipsky taking the U on the UFC debuter Amanda Bomb 8,000 8, fight here. Lipsky is the eight thousand fighter. They're both fifteen dollars over there on FanDuel. Pete, break down for us.
1: Not sure if I need if I need to get exposure to this fight. To be honest, I, I feel like both ladies like to uh, stand up and trade. Um, I do think that any fighter facing Ariana Lipsky could be looking to exploit her. Uh, her defensive wrestling flaw where she constantly gets controlled on the mat. And, you know, most, most of her losses are because of that. When she's on the feet, not too many fighters enjoy, you know, trading shots with her. I do think, you know, the UFC vets being somewhat disrespected, but I understand that Mandy bomb is uh, an interesting fighter an interesting prospect. Um, I'll have to lean towards Ariana Lipsky's side based on her aggressiveness on the feet uh, facing true legitimate UFC competition Uh, Minnie Baum definitely has some tools that I think can present some problems for Ariana Lipsky. She can chain together a takedown or two to solidify around things can definitely get interesting, but um, I don't know. I I feel like both of these ladies might end up enjoying a striking affair, going tit for tat with each other. It's a fight that I don't feel like I need to really get too much exposure to there's 15 fights. Um, We have one fight where both fighters are under the 8,000 threshold already I think this is going to go the distance. We already know the scoring for DraftKings doesn't really help the situation in the path mm-hmm. of this fight, in my opinion. You know, if it's a a striking affair, they would have to land an enormous amount of strikes for this to really, uh, you know, pay off, and then to get 95 points or something like that. If there's no takedowns uh, landed, so for me, uh, I'm okay going elsewhere with this fight. And uh, if some other people feel stronger about this fight, then so be it.
2: I mean, we've talked about that with this DraftKings scoring system that came in at the beginning of the year. It really, once again, was advantage wrestlers because now it, it allowed those wrestlers who were getting takedowns but were, were, not, were getting total strikes, not significant strikes. That's who it benefited. But yeah, like you said, it would have to be a ton of strikes that land out there. And just because there's so much value throughout this card, I mean, we got 15 fights first off, so you know, you're going to have a ton of value. And it's going to be very easy to get unique this week. I mean, I, I think that one way I think you could get unique is even though I mentioned about Mada van camp and zoo and Jenkins are are two fights to pay attention to. If you want to get different, go a little less in the field on those two fights, just to help yourself get a little different. And this is most likely one of those weeks where, I mean, yeah, you could chop first prize, but the, the, you know, reality is, is that because of having 30 fighters, it's going to be very easy to get unique.
1: Yeah. 100%. It's, It's all about recognizing how many fights and how many fighters there are, you know, where some some players are being a little too aggressive over some some fighters. I definitely think that we could get some leverage on the field. I do like the fact that Ariana Lipsky is uh, an American top team. She talked about training with Amanda Nunes and all that stuff. So um, I, I think that a team like that can definitely help her out in some of her weak areas. She's always been a striking force. And I think that, you know, this is a fight for her to go out there and showcase her striking skills. I'm favoring her in the matchup, but definitely okay with getting different.
2: Move on. Next up, we got Armor Saruki and taking on Christos Yagos, 9600 for Saruki and over on DraftKings, $23 over on Fandle for Yagos, $6,600 over on DraftKings and $8 on Fandle. I mean, look, Christos Yagos, if he's going to win this fight, it is to me, it's just. Taking Sarukian down and laying in top position, but we have seen it with with Yagos multiple times now. Is that gas tank just, you know, even in fights that he's won, where he's just dominated the first and second round, he gets that third round and the gas tank's not there. I mean, obviously, there's a high price tag on Sarukin here. There's a reason he's the favorite in this one, but I I know there may be people saying, okay, what about Yagos here? You know, if you're a 150 max player, yeah, put him in some lineups. But if you're like a single entry three max, he's not somewhere I'm looking at.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know how I said that, that he's a, there's cardio liability all throughout this card. Uh, Christos Chiagos is another one, right? Like has skills for days, skills in all departments, probably not the better striker in this matchup. Can wrestle, can grapple uh, some sneaky subs as well. I just think he's going to be outgunned here against uh, Sarukian, who looked phenomenal Throughout his UFC tenure thus far and against a guy in uh, Islam Mahachev, where he debuted, he looked damn good. And since then he put he put on uh, he's won three fights in a row, Alvin Mercier, uh, David Hamos and Matt Fravola. So you talk about legitimate competition. I do think that whenever you have a fighter going against him and he is, you know, his opponent is coming in with questionable gas tank. It's just a recipe for success for Sarukian. I think Sarukian is going to be able to go out there impose his will. The price tag is a little scary at 9,600. Uh, it's a little rich, right? It's a little rich. I expect Yagos to be competitive. I expect Yagos to have answers for Sarukian in certain areas. Um, training at Sanford MMA, I definitely think, can help him. And uh, I think that that room is one of the toughest out there. But I will say that Sarukian looks like he's uh, going to be fighting for a title in the future. And I think that. Um, I'll, I'll have Sarukin in some lineups, but with that price tag, you really need to him need him to come through with a finish. And thus far in the UFC, he hasn't shown that. But because of Giagos' uh, cardio uh, liability, the, he could possibly get him out of there in two rounds.
2: Yeah, I mean that when last night I was like, ah, oh, let me go on the DraftKings app. Let me look at these these salaries. And right when I saw that, one, I was like,
1: oh man, that's a big yeah. number. Big big number. I mean, it's more of a So his betting line is really, really high as well. But I do expect him to go out there and get the victory. Um, I mean, if you want to look at him via decision, I I don't know. I, I feel like he could possibly get Yagos out of there, man. Like Yagos, when he has that cardio collapse, it happens quick and sudden. And a guy that's going to push a pace and test him in all areas is just it's such a dangerous fight for Giagos.
2: Just looking at the props here, Sarukian wins by decision, minus 135. Sarukian inside the distance, plus 150. Sarukian via sub, plus 4,000, or excuse me, plus 400. Um, and Sarukian by TKO KO, plus 250.
1: Okay. So, I mean, they, they think that he could TKO him more, more likely. Um, I'd probably just go inside the distance, to be honest, just to get a little. I I am torn between inside the distance and also be a decision. Uh cuz I I don't really have a firm grasp on how he'll get him out of there. I just feel like he can get him out of there.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, he he's a, a minus 800 favorite in this right. one. I mean, he he's a massive, I mean, like, you know, from the betting side of the equation, you know, maybe if if you're trying to put together a 3, 4, maybe even a 5-fighter parlay, I wouldn't mind adding him in that parlay as someone that you feel you feel extremely confident is going to go out there and get the win.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I think Sarooki is a cash play. You know, you just go in there, you put him in there. I, I think he's going to get it done. But I do think that there's some some cheaper fighters out there that we have some confidence in as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, if he goes out there and he wins the decision at 9600, you're you're probably going to be saying some words we can't say on the air.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could say them. I'm okay I'm okay with, I'm okay with <laughs> them.
2: You, you just you just know, you know, if you when you go out there you have fire at the price at that high and they don't go out there and get a first or second round finish, yeah, you're usually saying some words as that that fight's going down.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he could go out there and take them to take down city too. Sarukian has the skills, right? Like he can go out there and land five, six takedowns, make Giagos, you know, want to quit hit him with tons of strikes and end up finishing him within two rounds and be optimal, even at 9,600. So I'm having my shares of Sarukian
2: next up. We got Joaquin Buckley taking Antonio Arroyo uh, Buckley, 9,300, 6,900 for Antonio. Uh, then over on DraftKings Kings, $20 and $11 respectively. Uh, you know, Buckley obviously became kind of a star during pandemic, but, uh, you know, he did suffer that loss there. Uh, brutal knockout loss that he had there. Uh, once again, pr- big price tag for Joaquin Buckley. But I-, I have seen a lot of people who are jumping on the Joaquin Buckley bandwagon this week.
1: You want to know something, Jason? I like Joaquin Buckley. This is a trap fight. I'm telling you, it's a trap fight. And the reason it's a trap fight is you have Joaquin Buckley coming off a KO loss. He's been KO'd previously in his career. Um, coming into the UFC early on in his regional tape, he would throw hard shots, but how he had success was implementing takedowns. And that was such a safer approach. He would implement takedowns. I've seen him on the Bellator scene as well. Um, he's fought legitimate competition throughout his career. And I think that if he goes the takedown well, he can have tons of success here. The problem for me is that Antonio Ajoyo on the feet hits really damn hard. He kicks really hard, he punches hard, he's aggressiveness. I mean, he's aggressive. He has absolute booty takedown defense, so Walking Buckley needs to exploit that for sure. But Buckley likes likes getting in there and trading with people. He really does. He 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 has that um, he has that hunt for the knockout, and I think his aggressiveness can somewhat be to his detriment. Where Antonio Hoyo, if he catches him, what's what's Buckley's chin like? Why is he at ninety three hundred? He just got knocked out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I understand. Like, he has such a flashy highlight, and I like Joaquin Buckley, but for me, I am much more keen to going and looking at Antonio Ajao as a possible sprinkle for a lot of my lineups because I don't think anybody's going to be on him. I don't think anybody's going to be on him, Jason.
2: All right, let me uh, throw devil's advocate out there for me. Okay, let's hear it. All right, you're Dana White. Yep. You're Sean Shelby. You're McManer. You're Hunter Campbell. You think you have something in Joaquin Buckley? You think you have a fighter that you believe people will tune in to watch? Because let's be honest about it, the UFC is in the quantity business. They're they're in the right. business of putting out a ton of content week in and week out. Yeah. If we're in their shoes, we're instructing Mick and Sean Shelby. Go, go find a matchup that that puts Joaquin Buckley in the best position to succeed. Though, just playing devil's advocate. I agree with you.
1: I, and I would definitely think that Antonio Ahoyo hasn't shown his skills in the octagon at all. And I think that he's a limited fighter with all that being said, I definitely think he's a limited fighter. Um, losing a decision to Andre Mooney's nothing to really hang your head at losing a decision to Duran when you actually got, you know, taken to take down city and you might be the mayor. Um, <laughs> I, I think walking Buckley can definitely exploit that for sure. For Sure. But my point is, I think that there are much easier matchups. And if they wanted to give Joaquin Buckley a, you know, a cupcake matchup to kind of get him back into it and say, all right, get you, you know, get, go out there after get knocked out, get your feet wet and, uh, you know, kind of get back in the, in the win column. I think there's so many other Jordan rights out there that they could have given him. I, I don't know. I think that this could end up, Antonio is a big guy and he hits really, really damn hard. I think, you know, getting knocked out by Dekirico and now going up against another heavy hitter is just so, so dangerous. I think they could have just given him such a better matchup, in my opinion.
2: No, I mean, look, I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing devil's advocate out there. I mean... Yeah, for sure. You know, he's just... It's part of the fight game. You, you know this. I know this. This yeah. is how matchmakers kind of think of things. Uh, next up, we got a light heavyweight matchup. We got Mike Rodriguez taking on Tafon Uh $7,400 for uh, Mike Rod, $8,800 for Injeku, and then $17 for Tafon over on FanDuel, $15 for Mike Rodriguez. Mike Rodriguez with the second largest uh, reach advantage on this card. He's got a five-inch reach advantage on this one. But, I mean, look, when we talk about Mike Rodriguez, and and we both know Mike, you know, and being Northeast, I've had multiple conversations with Mike over the years, you know, making his way up through the regional scene is, I mean, look, it's Mike's going to want to keep the fight on the feet. But when people have had success against Mike, it's by taking him to the ground.
1: Yeah, and Mike, I'm rooting for Mike like crazy. I'm friends with Mike. I want to see him succeed, but I also want to see him succeed the correct way and that's by utilizing that reach keeping people on the outside picking people apart not allowing people to get close to him not allowing you know himself to get into his slugfest and i understand that he likes to clench because he likes you know the muay thai plum throws knees those elbows uh we've seen that on display but uh in addition to his lack of defensive wrestling um whenever you allow a fighter to be inside and fight you in a phone booth I think you're just taking away from your strengths. Mike Rodriguez could be, you know, dancing around people, picking them apart, throwing long, long shots all day long. And he could definitely do that against Tefana and I have to say, though, Tefana and is a guy that gets inside and throws like Mike Tyson like combinations. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very dangerous fight for Mike Rodriguez. I'm personally going to be rooting for Mike Rodriguez, but I think and will be probably the chalk of the slate where he's not a 9000 fighter, but. Uh, you know, he could get you a finish because, you know, we, we can see Mike Rodriguez possibly get taken down, but also get knocked out. We've seen that happen in the past. I will, I do worry about Rodriguez taking some shots against from Inchukwe. Um, For me, I think Rodriguez's best path, best path to victory is dancing around and winning a decision. And Inchukwi getting inside, I think one of these shots can hurt Mike, honestly. And mm-hmm. I think that's why in 8,800 is going to be a popular play.
2: Yeah, it's another fight in terms of developing my lineups. I am looking at it as, you know, fight to circle with just because I do think of the, the possibility of a fish coming in this one. Of course, uh, this is the also MMA strategy show. Of course, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Of course, I've uh, been telling you about Monkey Knife Fight for some time. Their player prop based contest. Are very easy to play. Of course, head over to monkeyknifefight.com. Choose the game you want to play, your contest type, and your buy in. And Monkey Knife Fight has an instant first match deposit of up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code AWESOMO. Uh, Looking at the main event in terms of this one, Anthony Smith and Ryan Span over at Monkey Knife Fight, Anthony Smith, 72 and a half strikes landed, 45 and a half for Ryan Span. And, and this is one of those, it's an interesting one because, you know, for Anthony Smith's side of the equation, I, I tend to like, you know, if you think this fight makes it a fourth or fifth round, I think you say more on 72 and a half. But I kind of feel like this may be a less Anthony Smith and maybe a more Ryan Span.
1: It's a it's a definitely a, a tough line for sure, because I foresee this going into the later rounds, but Ryan Span doesn't have the best volume to begin with. Will Ryan Spann possibly look towards taking Anthony Smith down? Because Anthony Smith's takedown defense is not the best. Um, That could limit some offensive output for sure. So I'm going to be a little contrarian. I'm going to say a double S for me.
2: Yeah, it's a number that stuck out to me. And then uh, the co-main event, Ian Kutalaba and Devin Clark, Ian Kutalaba, 74 and a half, 52 and a half on Devin Clark. I like this as a double less scenario.
1: I would agree. I don't think Ryan, I don't think Devin Clark can uh, take that many shots from Ian Kutalaba. And uh, I think it's going to be played out a lot in the clinch, uh, a lot of you know reversing positions and all of that type of stuff.
2: And the one thing I always say about Monkey Knife Fight, if you like a line on Thursday go hammer that line now because these lines will change and the line is on Thursday may not be that line on Saturday, but also it's also kind of a good way to kind of see sometimes you can find more, better value on Saturday than you can on Thursday. So, but if you like something on Thursday, I'm telling you, go, go, go make it right now over at monkey knife fight. And of course, if you're not signed up for monkey knife fight yet, uh, when you sign up, they do have an instant first match deposit of up to a hundred dollars. When you use the promo code, Awesome. Next up, we have got a matchup, a female matchup. Panny Kanson taking on Raquel Pennington. Panny is seventy five hundred over on TK. And over on FanDuel, she's $13. Raquel Pennington, $8,716 over there on FanDuel. Um, you know, look Panny in terms of a FanDuel play, I don't necessarily mind because I do think she'll probably have to stop uh some takedowns in this one. Uh over on Traff I think that's a high price tag on Raquel Pennington.
1: I do. I do think it's a high price tag. And I don't think that she necessarily scores all that well all the time. I mean, against Marion Renault, she did score 95 points. If she scores 95 points this time, you'll be happy with that 8,700. Absolutely. Uh Kianzad definitely has, I'll say, the boxing edge, but it's slight. I don't think that she has a lot of pop, but she has some good technique and some great combinations. Raquel Pennington has some good combinations in her own right. And she's very tough, but her go is by pressing her opponents against the cage, winning the fight in the clinch and trying to implement some takedowns. Now I do think that, you know, Raquel Pennington could possibly pin Panny Kianza against the cage and, uh, you know, get a, get an easy victory here by just, just weighing on her. And that's kind of how I foresee this fight going. I think that Raquel Pennington is a uh, not a safe play, but as long as she hasn't seen a significant drop in her uh, motivation and training camp or her possible skills, I think that she should go out there and get a victory over Panikianza. I understand that Sajara Eubanks, you know, Panikianza performed well against Sajara Eubanks. Uh, The previous fight against Davis was a little questionable. Um, and I do think that if pant, the same panty comes into this fight, she will lose to Raquel Pennington. So I do like Raquel Pennington at 8,700, but it's a, it's more of a cash play than a GPP play.
2: I'm glad you say that. Cause that was exactly what I was going to say. I'd rather yeah. get Raquel Pennington over, over in cash than I would there. But, uh, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I think there are some fights in this card that you could sit there and say, you know what? I wouldn't mind just unchecking it in cruncher.
1: Yeah. I mean, this could be a fade fight too, right? Like, uh, I mean, there was a time when we did fade women's MMA on some guards. We were just like, okay, uncheck, uncheck. And uh, that was because we, we saw going the distance. And we saw it was going to be a low-scoring affair. And I do think that this fight could have the makings for that. Um, so, especially with the price tag, right? Like, she has to do enough to pay off the 8700 price
2: tag. Let's be honest about it. You might just unclick the first fight of the night, too.
1: Well, what, what's the first fight of the night?
2: Hannah Goldie and Emily Littmeier.
1: I don't know. I actually have a sneaky suspicion that something's going to
2: happen. Interesting. Yeah. Listen, here, your take on that one. Of course, that's a matchup where Hannah Goldie stepping up on short nose to take that matchup. Let's move on to the next one. We got Nate Manis taking on Tony Gravely. Tony Gravely, 9200 over on DraftKings, $19 on, fan, on FanDuel, 7000 for Manus on DraftKings, and $11 on FanDuel. All right. Can Nate stop the takedowns? That, I mean, that, that's really, to me, is how you break this fight down, is can Nate keep this fight on the feet?
1: I i think Nate might be one of the luckiest UFC fighters there are. I, I really do. I think that um, I was surprised with his success in the UFC. I mean, uh, a win, a win over Johnny Munoz, <laughs> a uh, win over an exhausted Luke Sanders, who um, was beating the hell out of him, and then just kind of just punched himself out. Uh, I, I do think that Nate Manis has some skills, right? Like, let's be real. He's 13-1. and one. He does have some skills. Um, he can defend some takedowns. He has some sneaky jujitsu. He does have some pop in his punches. And, uh, you know, he's showing up. So a fight against Tony Gravely, where Tony Gravely has looked like a wrestling phenom. I mean, five takedowns against Brett Johns should say enough. Like, that is yeah. insane. Brett Johns is so damn good. People don't understand his Welsh... Wrestling is just disgusting. Seven takedowns against Efratis, four takedowns against uh, Anthony Burchak. In his two victories, he scored 138 and 110 points. So he's definitely priced accordingly. I will say, though, I am worried about his gas tank. <laughs> it's like the theme of the show, right? Questionable <laughs> gas tank. Uh, you know, cardio liability. But, I mean, you don't... That's like an X factor. We don't always know how good of shape people come in, what changes they make to come in better shape where they you know, nursing and injury throughout camp. Is that why didn't hit the road as much? I will say that I'm, I'm going to have plenty of Tony gravely exposure. I think that he can get Nate minutes down. I think from top position, he can rain down some punches. I don't know if he gets a finish, but I do think that Nate Manis has skills enough to get back to his feet and then possibly get taken back down. So we could get a, a long drag out performance from Tony Gravely, but I think we could be uh, pretty happy and satisfied with the score at the end of this. So uh, I understand why people think that it's better to be lucky than good and they're going to be targeting Nate Manis, but it ain't me. It's not me. I- I'm going to be back in Tony Gravely.
2: Well, I think Manis has got to be a guy on FanDuel. You got to circle, though. For sure. Just, just because of, you know, if it's one of those, and, and we've talked about this before of, because of those points you get on the FanDuel side of the equation of, of for takedowns defended, you know, what does a situation where, you know, let's just say Tony gets five takedowns, but he attempts like 20 takedowns. Those points are going to rack up for Nate Manis. So those are always something you got to think about if you're playing over on FanDuel is those flyers that are going to have to stop those takedown offenses. That, that's simply something to check uh, out over there. Uh, Thomas, uh, appreciate their uh Give me a little kudos there for some of my oh, interviews. My I was actually doing some uh some video editing uh, before we started the show here, trying to trying to catch up on some of the uh the video interviews I've done here over the past couple of days as uh yeah, it's been a little busy for me.
1: You know what we need to do, Jason? Every card, we gotta have you do an interview with every single fighter so that we could get the, the true details about everybody. And then we're gonna use those details to our advantage for our for our DFS lineups. And uh no, I mean. You have to check out Jason's uh, interviews. He definitely interviews some of the best fighters in the game. And, uh, you know, that's how our relationship and our friendship started, where it's just like, what's up, Jason? And then next thing you know, we're doing DFS shows together.
2: By the way, you know, there's sometimes there's these transitions that happen in shows. Brandon Jenkins is a guy I talked to about a month ago before he went to uh, had his fight there. in PFL had a, a great stoppage victory there. And, you know, trains out in Vegas, there at syndicate, and he's telling, we're talking about, you know, pandemic, and you know, he had, uh, you know, time away, and it was because he tore his ACL, and he ends up, he gets the surgery done, there's an issue, has to, they have to go back re-end, goes to rehab, ends up, does the first rehab session, ends up getting a bill for $600, because they thought his insurance was going to cover it, it doesn't. So, basically, he ends up doing rehab all on his own, in the park.
1: Shoot, I don't. I'll tell you what, I've been there with medical bills from fighting and uh, they're not cheap. And that's why insurance is so important. And unless injuries happen from a fight, you know, you're usually not covered during training camp. So props to him overcoming that adversity. But man, I'll tell you, this fight looks like a fight we need to roster because you got Zhu at 7,600 against Jenkins, your friend at 6,700. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say in regards to this matchup.
2: Look, Jenkins is a finisher. The one thing is, is the term of he's going to fight for your money. That's what Brian Jenks is going to do. This is a guy, he, he, he doesn't have that MO of, okay, I'm going to grind my way to a three round decision. And, and I thought when, when I did talk to him, you know, I oh mean, I guess it was a month, two months ago where the thing that really stuck out to me is you really talked about the impact John Wood has had on him there at, mm-hmm. at, at syndicate and really helping kind of change his thought process and to where he's at now. He had a post on Instagram the other day, basically talking about this journey of 10 years to where he's at now gets this incredible opportunity. But I mean, look, you look at, at the FanDuel side of the equation, you're getting what the appropriate odds should be here. I mean, look, if, if this was a normal week where even if Brand had two, three weeks to prepare for this fight, he would be somebody I would say, look, put him on your underdog pool, because if he wins, he's going to win by finish. But I do think if you say you got to pick one guy, Zhu is the way to go.
1: Yeah. So for me, right, I think that Zhu Rong... Definitely had a disappointing debut. Uh, I think that a lot of us thought that we were going to see more, more of his skills somewhat translating to the UFC octagon. Didn't really materialize in his debut, but um, I will say that Vargas was a tough go for sure. Um, the X factor in this matchup could definitely be the takedowns from uh, Rongju. I, I think that Rongju could um, you know, make this fight close on the feet because he's a very, very skilled striker as well. And then if things get ugly, he could look to chain some takedowns together and get in top position to really nullify the danger of Brandon Jenkins. But this is a fight where both fighters are under that 8,000 threshold again. And I will say, i much rather target this fight for GPPs and ignore that 8,200-8,000 8, 8, fight. I, I just would much rather target the other fight we spoke of and this fight, where you know that you're going to get a victor here. And uh, Brandon Jenkins can possibly dance on the outside, hit him with some good shots, some good kicks, some good leg kicks, um, and then land a knockout blow. I mean, that that performance in PFL was, that, that, that knee was beautiful. And I know a ton of people were not backing Jenkins in that bout because his record and and his tape doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really flash too, too much. But I will say that in certain sequences, he has some dangerous combinations and dangerous you know tricks up his sleeves. He throws you know spinning elbows. He throws good knees from all areas. Um, he he needs Rongju in his face. Rongju could possibly get you know taken out of there pretty early. So uh, I will have to side with the overall mixed martial artist and Rongju. Um, I have seen these. He's at American Top Team. I do think that uh, that's a good fit for him as well. Um, you know, and a part of a, a strong camp. With a disappointing debut, I think we're going to see a more pissed-off Rongju looking to come in here and make a statement. But like I said, I'm going to have plenty of uh, plenty of exposure for both of these fighters.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I will have Jenkins in my underdog pool, but I, I think especially that price tag on, on Rongju, I think you got to stick out there. Right. Of course, so uh, we do have two new YouTube channels that you need to subscribe to. When it comes to fancy football and betting odds out there. So you got to check out all the great uh, tools uh, and content we have over there. At our two new brand new fancy football and sports betting YouTube channels. So check out there as you're looking to get ready for week two of the NFL. As uh, of course, it kicks off tonight with Thursday night football giants and the Washington football team. And then of course, on Sunday, uh, the rest of the league will get going here, man.
1: Who's winning tonight? I think, I think the Reds can still win.
2: I would did you did you see the meme of the two giant offensive linemen blocking each other? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, there was a meme. I saw it. It was I saw it on my Twitter time the other day. Yeah, two two giants offensive linemen blocking each other.
1: Yeah, making it tough for yourself, boys. Oh goodness.
2: Yeah, I, I look, I think Ron Rear is a great coach. Uh, I, I would, you know, obviously they've got the quarterbacks uh, situation there in Washington, but I would, I would much prefer go the Washington route than uh, the Giants. MC East not a great division.
1: I'm excited for for showdowns. I really like showdowns, uh, especially for NFL. I really do. I was really, really close to chopping first with several people, um, so I'm I'm excited to dive into that after this show and figure out who I'm going to be overweight on.
2: Yeah, you're, you're like the king of those showdown contests.
1: I'm sneaky good. There was one time, right, uh, I was winning $80,000 on an Eagles one until the final drive, the final one minute of the game where they did like a couple dump offs to a guy that was like $200 and I lost everything.
2: Oh, <laughs> it was man. just like, oh, what could have been, you know what oh. I mean? Yeah, I think everyone everyone has been there at yes, some point. Uh, move on to the next matchup. We got Montel Jackson taking on JP Buys. Montel Jackson, 9,500 on DraftKings, 22 over on FanDuel for JP Buys, 6,700 on DK, eight dollars on FanDuel. I mentioned about how Mike Rodriguez has the second biggest reach advantage in this fight on this card. Number one is Montel Jackson, eight inch reach advantage. Huge prize tag for Montel Jackson, but, uh, I mean, look, there's there's a reason he's this big of a favorite.
1: Let me tell you, if the UFC didn't say, J.P. Bays, take this fight or you're cut, then why the hell is he taking this fight? Like, if this is a voluntary, hey, we're looking for, you know, an opponent for Montel Jackson, why the hell did you take this fight? Who the hell is your manager? Who's looking out for you? Because this is not a, a winnable uh, it's Every fight's winnable, but this is not a good matchup by any means because uh, J.P. Bays is going to be undersized in this matchup. He's going to have a significant reach disadvantage in the matchup. Uh, Montel Jackson has been taken down in the past, but if you look at the fighters that has taken him down, they're high-quality opponents, right? Like I don't really think that um, we can hold J.P. Bays' wrestling acumen to the same standards of Brett John's. Uh, To a guy, Brian Kelleher, Ricky Simone, like all these little poking holes at Montel Jackson's games. I I, I don't know. I I think that J.P. Bays is going to be somewhat outgunned in this matchup. He's going to be a parlay piece for me. I think that getting knocked out against Bruno Silva is not really bad because I'm big on Bruno Silva. I I love the camp that he comes from. I think he has a well-rounded skill set. I think it's starting to finally materialize. But I will say that this is a uh, smash smash spot for Montel Jackson, and I foresee him getting J.P. Bays out of there uh, pretty early. Um, if you want to be absolutely contrarian, maybe you target the underdog and, and hopes that he can land some takedowns, but it's not going to be me, Jason.
2: So let me ask you this. Would you rather get to a 9,500 Montel Jackson or a 9,600 Armand
1: I will say that Montel Jackson probably looks like he has the more cup uh, cupcake matchup of the two. Uh, whereas Chris Rociagos will be competitive um, and then possibly have a a drop-off in performance. And Sarukian hasn't really been a finisher in the UFC yet. So if you want to go by those standards, I will still say that Montel Jackson's probably the better play.
2: You mentioned about Montel Jackson being a parlay piece. Could the other side of that parlay piece be Aaron Blanchfield taking on Sarah Alpar? Aaron Blanchfield $9,422 over on FanDuel. and then For Alpar, $6,800 on DK, $10 for FanDuel.
1: You know, this is a a fight, right, where I do like Erin Blanchfield. I do. I I think that she has some incredible jujitsu that she's going to put on display in certain fights going forward and possibly this one. I think that she has some decent takedowns, and I do think that her striking is starting to catch up to her grappling. I will say that Sarah Alpar, you know, could be outgunned in this fight in multiple areas. But let's be honest that she ended up putting uh, Jessica Rose Clark in some dangerous positions, and she has wrestling to possibly nullify Blanchfield here. And for me, I don't know, man. I, I think that this could be a lot of hype and a lot of uh, overlooking her opponent. I expect Blanchfield to get this done. But what I'm saying is Sarah Alpar can make this ugly. And anytime you're fighting a, a good wrestler who can pin you against the cage and get takedowns against Jessica Rose Clark, I, I know that Jessica Rose Clark came back And ended up hitting her with some great combinations, defending some takedowns, blasting her with, you know, knees after knees and getting the finish. But if you go back and you look at Sarah Alpar's regional tape, she can strike decently well. She looks to clinch immediately, pin her opponents against the cage, you know, and if she's on top and avoids submissions from Aaron Blanchfield, we could be looking at a greasy, close decision and one that. You don't know how Blanchfield is going to really handle her UFC debut. How is she going to handle the nerves? I expect that she has the higher ceiling of the two. Mm -hmm. I expect her to be the better fighter going forward in the next couple of years. I expect her to have, you know, some legitimate contendership uh, eventually. But I I don't know. I just think that this is a tricky matchup, and this is going to be a hard-fought victory in Blanchfield's favor. But at 9,400, outside of a submission, quick submission finish, I'm okay with getting slightly away from it.
2: Next up, we got Impa Kasaganai taking on Carlston Harris. Impa 8900 on DraftKings, sixteen dollars over on Fanduel, and then for Carlston, seventy three hundred on DK, fourteen dollars over on Fanduel. I see you shaking your head there. What are we shaking our head about?
1: I'm shaking my head because I have struggled with this fight more than any fight on the card. I really have. I I like what I see from Impa, but I understand that he's relatively green. I like what I see from Carlston Harris. Um, I, I liked his debut. I like his regional footage. Um, he's a little older, which doesn't really mean a lot to me, but I just think that both of these guys are pretty highly skilled and I'm having a very, very difficult time with this fight. And hopefully you can help me out on this. Um, I think a guy in Carlson Harris, he hits hard enough where it doesn't have to be a tricky shot. If he lands against Impa and I, I think that we could see Impa get knocked out. Uh, if Impa ends up in the clinch and gets lazy for a second, I can see Carlston Harris, you know, wrapping up that neck and working towards another anaconda choke. Um, I definitely will say that Impa and I at 8,900, he's priced like a fighter that's going to go out there and get a finish. Um, You know, in the decision win, I don't think that he comes through at his price range. So for me, if I'm going to play anybody, I'd much rather play the underdog and Carlston Harris in hopes of him getting a high score because. I think that his his you know fighting style he goes out there and he leaves it all on the line. He has a hundred point upside, whereas I don't really know if Kasang and I has that same upside. I think he's more of a stable cash play, looking to get you an easy decision victory. So for me, I'm picking Carlton Harris in the matchup. I think his jiu-jitsu is too good. I think that his striking's too good. Um, it's it's going to be a tough fight for sure. But if I have to pick somebody, it's the underdog.
2: The thing I I mean look I, I'm I'm very high on Impa. Of, of what he can be in the sport. Yep. But the one thing that I think you like about Harris in, in this matchup is this is a vet. This guy has been around. This is 21st pro fight. Mm-hmm. He's fought legit competition throughout his, his career. So that's where, you know, I think this fight's closer than what the salaries are in this fight. That's mm-hmm. why Harris is a guy that I'm looking at in terms of my underdog pool of somebody. I went in there and get to in terms of this matchup, but going to be interesting to kind of see where we see the the ownership throughout the next couple of days come in uh, cuz maybe we could maybe see some value on Impa as we get later on in the week
1: 100% and let's be let's be clear Impa comes from a very very strong camp in San MMA so he's going to be well versed he's going to have you know his wrestling is going to be you know up to snuff he's going to have good striking of course i do somewhat worry about his chin in certain sequences i do think that he can get cracked and hurt and then possibly you know choked out from Carlson Harris but Carlson Harris is the guy where, you know, if we look at it, right. I think that he could be the darling that everybody's kind of just immediately putting into their lineups because he's, he bursts onto the scene, gets a 94 point performance, you know, five significant strike lands, you know, lands a submission victory. Um, But it's a very small sample size, right? We we have seen Impa much more in the UFC octagon, uh, but it's all about, you know, overcoming adversity. And I do think that they both have tons of question marks surrounding each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been high on IMPA for years, uh, yeah. so uh, I just had to click the link because I saw UFC just sent out a an email with uh, uh, updates. But it looks it was just basically the stuff that we already knew about about Jim Miller being out of the fight against Nicholas Mata and Karen Van Camp stepping up there, and then also Brand Jenkins stepping up there. It's it's always when you see that you know updates on UFC Vegas 37, you're like, uh oh. Uh Oh, <laughs> is there something we missed before we went on the air here?
1: Yeah, right. Remember, hey, do you remember that time we were doing a live before lock and we lost somebody like five minutes before lock or something like that and we were all scrambled? Do you remember that?
2: Oh, you, the one that remembers me is when we lost the fight uh, as the guy was walking to the cage. No,
1: I know that. That sucked. Uh, that sucked. But I remember we were live before lock and we got, we got notice that a fight was scrapped like five or ten minutes before lock and we were all scrambling. <sighs>
2: Yeah, that's the worst thing when you have like 40 or 50 lineups, and you're like, oh crap. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like say, I'm gonna try to fix as many as these as I can, but uh we'll see how that goes. Two more fights here to we'll left to break down here. We got uh, Gustavo Lopez taking on Haley Alatang. Lopez $7,800 on DK, twelve dollars on Fandle. Alatang eighty four hundred on DK, eighteen dollars over there on Fandle. When when I my initial thought when I talk about Alatang, I thought about the Casey Kenny fight.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm out of the Alatang Haley business, to be honest. I understand that he's, you know, making some switches in his game, but I do think that I like Gustavo Lopez in the matchup. I like his price 7,800. I like his boxing. I, I do like his wrestling defenses, wrestling defense in some of his, uh, fights. I think that he can get taken down, but he can find his way back to his feet. I do like his jujitsu. I think his scrambling ability is pretty, pretty up there. Um, so 7,800. I mean, Alec Tang Haley got absolutely murked by um, by Casey Kenny, but that is Casey Kenny, and Casey Kenny's a monster. But I just feel like I think Gustavo Lopez is going to, you know, continue with the momentum, and I think that – well, actually, no, because he had that fight against Adrian Yanez. I liked his win against a- uh, Anthony Burchak, and then pairing up against, you know, Adrian Yanez was definitely not a recipe for success. I think he needs to go back to the well, uh, possibly – implement some wrestling. I don't really see that happening, but maybe scrambling and just kind of outworking Alatang Haley 7,800. I like Gustavo Lopez. Um, I, I I'd like him to win the fight. And I like the fact that he's at 7,800. All
2: right. You've mentioned about the theme of this card in the show. Yeah. is gas tank. What about Gustavos Lopez three round gas tank?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all right. I mean, he is a lighter guy, right? So he's a lighter guy. So lighter guys, if they have, somewhat of a bad gas tank it's not as bad as you know higher weight classes where they have such a significant drop off and then next thing you know they're like not even there um i just think that Alatang Hayley lee's not a guy that really pushes a pace too too crazy that's going to fatigue gustavo lopez i like gustavo lopez being an extreme couture i think that he's surrounded by good talent at that camp uh alitang lee's at fight ready you have a battle of two strong camps I don't know, man. I I like what I see from Gustavo Lopez, and I think that he can uh, get a win over a possibly overrated Alatang Haley.
2: Of course, appreciate everyone that's in here on a Thursday watching the Awesome MMA Strategy Show. Of course, if you're not subscribed to Awesome right here on YouTube, you got to do that. It's very simple. Just hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, so you know what the show is live here on the channel. Of course, uh, coming up here later on, we'll have the NFL Showdown Deeper Dive at 6.30 p.m. each time, and then that'll be followed by the NFL Showdown Live before lock shows, guys, we'll get you ready for tonight's NFL action. One more fight here to break down. It's the opening fight of the night. Hannah Goldie, Emily Whitmire. Uh, Hannah Goldie stepping up on short dose. take this matchup. She's $7,700 on DraftKings, $13 on FanDuel. For Emily Whitmire, $8,500 on DraftKings, $18 there on FanDuel. You missed a little earlier in the show. You might have an angle on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm targeting the underdog, honestly. Hannah Goldie, $7,700. I understand that she did not look the best in her previous performance, uh, I do think that Bell Beats made some significant changes in her uh, in her game. And she's always been an aggressive striker. And she was able to uh, crack Hannah Goldie early and often and wobble her in ser- certain moments. And that really took Hannah Goldie out of her game. And uh, she was like a deer in headlights in some moments. And her chin was somewhat up in the air. And then in the third round, we did see Hannah Goldie mix in some take mix in a takedown. Get you know, It's like the final 30 seconds but she makes it in a takedown has some amazing work from top position, nearly finished bell So I will say that Hannah Goldie can learn from that performance and say, all right, if I do that to people, that final 30 seconds is how I should fight. And that's how, like, when we broke the fight down, I thought that she'd go out there and impose her her wrestling and uh, just really go out there and get an easy victory. Hannah Goldie stays on the outside and can strike as well. Emily Whitmire at four and four has shown uh, susceptibility to get submitted on the mat. And I don't really know if her UFC wins are the best caliber at all. I think that, uh, you know, I think she's aggressive at times, but I don't know if she's really UFC level. I think the Hannah Goldie being a part of, what's the camp in Florida, Fusion XL or Fusion yeah. something like that. I yeah, think Fusion that, XL. yeah, I, I've seen videos of her uh, she's training. She's sparring. She's, you know, looking pretty damn good. I think Hannah Goldie goes out there and and might end up being optimal this week. To be honest, I think that she's going to go go out there and possibly finish Whitmire. Uh, you know, within fifteen minutes.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you know,
1: I have a feeling. I just have a gut feeling that I think Hannah Goldie goes out there and uh, has her way. I, I mean, I look at Whitmire's tape, right? And her absence from the cage is always questionable. Um, I mean. Not really. I mean, August of 2020 is her previous fight. She hasn't been the most active. I see her just hitting pads. Uh, She's from a solid camp, but I feel like she really hasn't patched her holes over the Mm -hmm. years. And I think that a fighter that's so, so strong, a hand of Goldie could possibly, you know, exploit those holes.
2: All right, let's uh, go through our straight-up fight picks. These are not DFS-related. There's some of these uh, matchups. Pete, I'll tell you, a little little difficult for me here. Uh, Main event, I will go Anthony Smith.
1: Yeah, Anthony Smith.
2: Uh, Give me Ian Kutalabe over Devin Clark. Kutalabe. I do like Nicholas Mata against Cameron Van Camp.
1: Nicholas Mata.
2: One of the fights that was a toss-up for me, Lipsky and Bomb. I'm going to go with the UFC debuter, but I don't feel great about it. Oh, I'm going Lipsky. I don't uh, feel, I don't feel so,
1: good about that either.
2: Uh, uh, Sarukian, easy choice there. Sarukian. Uh, Buckley or Arroyo, I will go Buckley. I have a feeling you're going the other way. You ready for this?
1: Antonio Ahoyal, I think, cracks him and hurts him.
2: Interesting. Uh, this is a straight uh picking my friend here. I'll go Mike Rod. Got to keep it on the feet though.
1: I know. I, I want Mike to win. I just, I don't know if he can. To be
2: honest. Uh, I like Raquel Pennington against Penny.
1: Raquel Pennington.
2: Uh, give me Gravley against Manos. Gravley. Uh, give me Zoo against Jenkins. Yeah, wrong Zoo. I will take Montel Jackson. Montel Jackson. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield. Blanchfield. Uh, give me the upset in Carlson Harris. Ooh, gotta, gotta, g- I got to get some underdogs in here somewhere. All right, I'm going Carlson Harris. Uh I'll call Gustavo Lopez. That's right, Gustavo. And you sold me on Hannah Goldie.
1: Let's go. Hannah Goldie. I swear to God, Hannah Goldie.
2: Sometimes you sell me these things. Uh Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. Of course, if you do have any questions, get those lined up here. We'll get them uh, in here before we go. Of course, uh, he's got his usual questions here, so let's just – Start right from the top. Top two cash uh, for me it is Montel Jackson and Sarukian. I mean they're high price tag, but I feel the most comfortable in those two fighters.
1: One hundred percent. It's a cop out answer, but that's that's the answer. Sarukian and Jackson.
2: Top two GPPs.
1: Um, those two fights we spoke of, uh, where both fighters, the Jenkins and Rongju, and um, the other one is. The uh Moda and Van Camp. Those, those are definitely the two GPP fights. So I will say Nicholas Moda and I will say Rongju. Uh
2: Ian could lava to me as a GPP play that I think you have to be For looking sure. at there. Uh underdog plays. Um in, in terms of just kind of looking at, at salaries here, um, I think you gotta look at uh let me uh I think Nick Manis is someone I think you have to look at, but it, it, it's something that you have to say you believe he's going to stop the takedowns, um, you know, in terms of, of other ones to me, Carlton Harris, Gustavo Lopez uh, stick out to me.
1: Okay. you ready. So we got Nicholas Moda, you know, he's not an underdog, but he's under 8,000. Hannah Goldie is the one I'm going to say that's sneaky, sneaky fight. I, I think that she can go out there and finish uh, her opponent.
2: Uh, in terms of MVPs, um, Montel Jackson's one that sticks out to me.
1: Yeah, I think he's getting a round one or round two finish, to be honest.
2: Uh, favorite inside the distance, uh, I'm looking at Ian Kutulabe. Um, and I think Anthony Smith gets it done by stoppage at some point.
1: I think Montel Jackson gets him out of there. Um, I think that um, the Moda fight and Van Camp that, I don't think that fight's going to go the distance, to be honest. I think somebody's getting put out one way or another.
2: So Samuel set the line of finishes. I think his number's way too low. Six and it? a half.
1: Oh, yeah. Come on. What's a trash line, Sam?
2: Like I would think if you told me you want to set the line at eight and a half. Oh, damn. Jay-
1: damn. Jason's Jason's always like super conservative.
2: Look, there's some fights on this card. I'm saying more. They've got high probability. What would you you set the number
1: at? Seven and a half. Make it tough.
2: 15 fights, bro. 15 fights.
1: I'm saying more, though. I I say there's nine finishes.
2: Look, if this this card has seven, eight fights go the distance, it is going to be a long (laughs) afternoon, early evening of fights.
1: Damn. Yeah, it'll be a long... I got to work, too. Hey, the longer the fights go, the more... I will be occupied while I'm working. So I don't, I don't mind.
2: Yeah. Uh, upset of the night. Um, I'll go Carlson Harris.
1: Okay. I'm going to say for just betting purposes and a sprinkle, I talk about a sprinkle because it's extremely dangerous, but I'll say Antonio Ahoy over walking uh, Buckley
2: uh, pivots from the main fire. I'm guessing he means main main event. You
1: got plenty of them, right? Like, yeah, there's 15 you, fights, you there's so them, many. But you do have are. five rounds to work with for Anthony Smith to possibly go out. I mean, if he gets murked for two rounds or maybe even three, and then he pulls it off, he still needs to score a lot. If these guys are 8,200, 8,000, then I think it's a must roster fight because there's five rounds on the line. But at 9,100, Anthony Smith still has to do enough in a win to really pay off. And you know, when there's so many other fighters on the card. I don't really know if you have to lock anybody in.
2: We'll leave on this question from Matt. He says with 15 fights right now is a main event, a must roster this week in DraftKings. Yeah. I
1: mean, kind of like playing off what we just said. I don't think it's a must roster. No. Uh, I think that they're both going to be competitive in moments. If Ryan spans camp is smarter, they'll say they'll try to tone him down and try to work on his cardio all camp. That's the number one thing. Um, so I don't think it's a must roster fight. I will have plenty of exposure to it because I do think a finish comes eventually. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this fight card. We got we hundred people watching this right now. We got plenty more that are going to be watching this in the next couple of days. If you appreciate what we do, if you could just hit that like button, we do appreciate you guys.
2: And if you're watching the show after the fact, leave a a comment in the YouTube section. Myself and people will get to those questions. Uh, We always check those comments. So we're always in there. So check that out. Of course, we'll be back here on Saturday, live before lock, 3 p.m. Eastern time. To get you ready for UFC Vegas, number 37. Of course, coming up here in about uh, just under an hour and a half from now, it'll be the... NFL showdown deeper dive. The guys, will get you ready for tonight's NFL slate. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Also awesome MMA Strategy Show. We will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Have a good day, everybody.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. <laughs> Chum-ma. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: We all love the Low lifestyle,
0: which is why we should do our best to protect it. To get insurance that helps you protect your home from whatever the Low throws at you, contact CT Lounge and Company today. Their local agents can review your coverage to help make sure you're properly protected. C.T. Lounds & Company has been helping protect and insuring the Lowcountry since 1850. Visit ctlounds.com to learn more and request a quote. That's c-t-l-o-w-n-d-e-s